The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. So we are in this series right now called Dust to Dust. And in this series, we've been exploring what it, what it looks like for God to perform his, his transforming work in the lives of the people who, who call this their church home, Acts Church Leander. And so uh, last week, we were, were blessed to hear from uh, the Lees and the Hueys and how God has, has worked in their lives as neighbors and as friends and kind of as, as family. And, and it's been beautiful to see that. And this week, we get to hear from our, our good friend and our, our sister in the Lord, Fran Musgrove, is going to share her story and Hopefully you got a chance to see her video online this week, but we'll, we'll have a chance to watch it in a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, we want to uh, see how her story and a story in Scripture really intersect very well together. And of course, uh, the story we're looking at today is Mary and Martha, uh, the, the story we just read. And uh, it's, it's probably a story that's familiar to, to many of you, but, but to those of you who maybe it's not, um, you kind of see in the story that, that it's really setting up this, this tension between uh, doing versus being, right? You got Martha doing all this stuff and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Or another way to think about it is, is giving versus receiving, right? And one of the things we see in this story is that Jesus commends Mary, says, Mary, you chose the right thing by sitting at my feet and simply receiving from me. And, and I think that idea of receiving is such an important lesson to learn because it's really hard to do, right? It's really hard to receive from others. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but, but I have a hard time receiving from other people. And, and we usually have a hard time receiving from others for, for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is, is pride, is pride. We're too proud to receive help from other people. Uh, so, for example, uh, when I first moved here to, to plant this church, like, I came in, uh, you know, guns blazing. You know, I was like, let's go, rock and roll, we're starting this new church. Uh, but part of the deal with, with me coming on board was that I, I had to go through uh, nine months of, of training at Axe Church in Lakeway. And, uh, and I had to train underneath someone, uh, if you can imagine that, right, having to learn from someone else. And, uh, and as a young pastor, that was, like, really hard for me. Because I had just gone through like four years of intense theological study. You know, I had done a, a one-year internship in which I was at this massive church. And, and everything I touched just sort of turned to gold. And, and so, you know, I was like, I, I don't need to learn anything else. Like, I know everything at this stage in the game. There's, there's nothing for me to receive anymore. And so you can imagine uh, that with an attitude like that, I was a real treat to work with. And, uh, and so... So I was, I was working with, with Pastor Pete Mueller, and he's the guy that, that was supposed to train me and teach me how to, how to plant the church and how to lead people and that sort of thing. Uh, but I just bucked him at every angle. And so my, my first few months here, many folks don't know this, were, were not very pleasant. Uh, he, would, he would try to invest in me, and he'd try to pour into me, and I'd just kind of ignore him. Or I'd be like, yeah, well, that's, that's cute, but this is really the right way to do things. And see, what that was is, is I was too proud to receive, right? I just wanted to show what I could do, what I was capable of, and I was too proud to receive any help or any training from someone else. And I remember it sort of escalated. We had a meeting with our network board at the time at, at Uncle Billy's uh, on Lake Travis, which tragically I believe is closed now. But uh, at any rate, we were there, and, um, and I was like bringing all these new ministry ideas, and I was like, oh, it's cool. You guys have been trying to do this, but this is really the way to do things. This is awesome. And that, of course, upset one of our network board members because I was just ignoring all the work that they'd done before I got there. And so he and I, like, we just got into it, um, which is, is rare. And so we're like, we're going at it. And finally, another member of the board just stepped up and said, Gabe, hey, 
Like, you know you signed up to work here, right? Like, this is how we do ministry. And if you don't want to do it that way, that's fine. But this is how we're going to do this. This is who we are. All right, and so there it was. I was like, it was a rough, rough meeting. So I was like, either, you know, I humble myself and I learn to receive from other people or I keep my pride and I basically find somewhere else to go and do what I want to do. And fortunately, though it was very painful at the time, uh, God humbled me. And, and he showed me how much I needed to learn, how much I still need to learn, how much I needed to receive from people, how much I still need to receive from others, right? And I tell you that story in hopes that you can relate. That, that as you think about your life, you think, you know, it is hard for me to receive sometimes. It's hard for me to be taught by someone else. It's hard for me to receive help from someone else. It's hard for me to receive someone else's care. It's, it's actually tricky. And if you're full of pride, if, like I was, if you're full of pride, it's impossible to receive anything from anyone. And we see this in our text for today. Uh, but it's not actually in the text proper. It's in, it's in the context surrounding it. Uh, so we're going to get a little exegetical here. Put your thinking caps on. Uh, so, so what happens in the Gospel of Luke, what we read from today, is it's split into two. Okay, so you have the first nine chapters are, are the introduction, basically, and it's Jesus uh, coming and doing his ministry and launching the kingdom of God. And then uh, chapters 10 through 23 is, is all about Jesus' journey towards Jerusalem. And the pivot point happens in chapter 9, verse 51. And Luke says in 951, he said, and Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. Okay, and so that's a, a literary tool by the gospel writer Luke who's saying, listen, the story is shifting now. Everything now for the next 13 chapters is focused towards the cross. Everything now for the next 13 chapters is Jesus headed towards Jerusalem. Okay, y'all with me so far? Good? All right, so our text for today is Luke 10, uh, verses 38 through 42. So it's on Jesus' way to Jerusalem. That's what Luke wants us to know. But, uh, and so Jesus goes to, to Martha's house. And Martha's house, we know from the other gospels, is in a town called Bethany. And Bethany is located two miles away from Jerusalem. Now, listen, it doesn't take Jesus 13 chapters to walk two miles, right? And so what this is telling us is that Luke has actually intentionally moved this story out of chronological order. I don't freak out. It still happened. It's still true. But he's doing a literary move here, and he wants us to notice something. He wants to show us a contrast, and so what's the contrast that Luke's trying to show us? Well, so we're in 1038. 1037, and the verses leading up to it, Jesus tells this parable that uh, I think many of you will be familiar with called the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, of course, is about this man who gets beat up, left for dead on the road, and someone who's supposed to be his enemy comes up and, and patches him up and, 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 and takes care of him and carries him on his own donkey, takes him to an inn and pays the innkeeper, says, hey, let this guy stay here, let him heal up. I know he's my enemy, but I'm going to take care of him. And Jesus ends that parable with a really simple point, right? 10 verse 37, he says, and you go and do likewise. And do likewise. That's 37. It ends with Jesus saying, go and do likewise. And then we get to 38 and we get this story. We get this text for today. And in the text, we see this woman, Martha, who's doing likewise, right? She's serving. She's working hard. She's caring for her neighbor. She's caring for the people that are in her house. But Luke shows us in the story that she doesn't have it quite right. 
And so he's warning us as readers. He's saying, listen, of course, do what this Samaritan did and serve your neighbor, but don't get so distracted. Don't get so filled up with your good works and the good things that you're doing that you miss Jesus. Don't get so full of pride at the good things that you're doing that you miss the opportunity to just receive from the giver of all good gifts. Don't miss that. Because it's so easy for us to fail to receive because of our pride. Right? Well, there's another way we can fail to receive. And that's by thinking we don't deserve it. That we don't deserve it. That we aren't worthy of help. And we see this in our text for today. If y'all would look with me at verses 38 through 40. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And so Jesus is at this lady Martha's house. And instead of of sitting at his feet and learning from him, Martha's just busying herself, doing a bunch of stuff, right? And she gets ticked because her sister isn't helping her out. And so she runs in and talks to Jesus and says, Jesus, hello, can you tell Mary to give me a hand? We got an issue here. Now, why is Martha so upset? Oftentimes we think it's because, like, you know, maybe she's just got a lot of dishes to do and and Mary's not helping her out and and she's got a lot of work and she needs the extra help. And there's probably some truth to that, but but actually many scholars would argue that, that the main reason Martha is upset is because Mary's acting like a man. You see, in the culture at that time, there was there was male space and there was female space in the house. And there were male roles and there were female roles. And they're very strictly defined. And Jesus was, was sitting in a male part of the house, more than like it's called the public room of Martha's house. The public room, that's where the men would go and they'd sit and they'd talk. And a first century historian and, and theologian N.T. Wright comments on this and he says this, uh, the public room was where the men would meet. The kitchen and other quarters unseen by outsiders belonged to the women. Only outside where little children would play and in the married bedroom would male and female mix. For a woman to settle down comfortably among the men was bordering on the scandalous. See, it wasn't as much about Martha needing extra help in the kitchen as it was about her being upset at this scandalous move by her sister to think that that she deserved to sit at the feet of Jesus, to think that she was worthy to actually receive Jesus' teaching. See, Martha didn't think any woman deserved to hear Jesus' teaching. Do you think any woman deserved to hear his words and learn from him and follow him? And so she gets upset, but Jesus looks at her and he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So Jesus says, listen, you're, you're doing all this stuff, right? And, and, and that's fine, but, but one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen it. And what is that one thing? One thing is to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive from him and listen to him. And he says to her, listen, Martha, it's not just for men. It's for Mary too. And it's not just for Mary, but it's for you too. If you just stop scrubbing the dishes for a second and just sit at my feet and receive my word and my teaching. 
You see, receiving Jesus' teaching, receiving his word of grace and truth isn't about us deserving it or earning it or being good enough, but it's about him being willing to let anybody, anywhere, sit at his feet and learn from him and hear his grace and hear his truth. And so matter if you're, you're young or old or black or white or male, female, rich, poor, sinner, saint, believer, doubter, it doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome to receive from Jesus. Everyone is welcome to receive from Jesus. Now, do you believe that? Yes? Okay, excellent. Now, the question next for us, though, is, is are we humble enough to receive what we need to from Jesus? Are you humble enough to receive what you need to from Jesus? See, it's this very delicate balance we have to recognize that, that we get to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word of grace and truth, and then to actually listen and put it into practice. It's a very delicate balance. But one of the ladies who I know to be best at receiving at the feet of Jesus, at, at receiving uh, from the body of Christ here on this earth, and then giving everything she can towards others, giving everything she's received towards others, is, is our friend Fran Musgrove. And, uh, and so I want us to watch her story, and then we'll unpack a little bit more with her afterwards what it's been like for her to give and to receive um, as, as she seeks to follow Jesus. So if you do it, Neebs. Hi, I'm Fran, and this is my story. Well, you know, there's one in four people have a mental illness. Um, you know, people always think that all these people are, you know, mean and violent and so on and so forth. I've had 12 years of my son never be violent. Uh, but, well, I'm very open about the fact that my son, um, 32 years old, has a mental illness. Justin has anosognesia. It's where they have no insight whatsoever about their illness. Um, they tell the story of the man that, you know, had a broken right arm, but, you know, he said he could lift it because he thought he could, but he had anosognesia. He's got schizoaffective disorder, which means he's bipolar, which is uh, manic and um, depressive um, moods. He also has delusions, um, a lot of psychosis. Um, he also has substance abuse, and a combination of the two together is just absolutely horrific. Justin has went through many hospitalizations. I mean, I'm going to say 15, 20 or more in these last 10, 12 years. Um, he's been evicted over and over and over again for his bizarre behavior. Um, he has spent time in jail, um, usually uh, for stupid stuff, but um, some of them have gotten him bad, and because he has so much jail now, he's got some felonies, which will prevent him from ever getting a job. Um, he's had um, several um, suicide attempts. My son having the mental illness uh, is, is very difficult. Having a son you love afflicted with mental illness is extremely, extremely dif difficult. Uh, you feel so powerless. Um, my parents, it was always like, God has a plan. God has a reason for everything. We don't question God. And uh, Gwen had moved in, the Holies had moved in across the street from me. I don't know what it is with Gwen. There's something special about her. I trust her so much. I've cried on her shoulder so many times. She has actually cradled me like a baby at different times when I have been in such despair. God sent her to me, and she has definitely been a blessing to me. She's definitely my angel. In 2009, 
She gave me a Bible. She knew I was coming aboard. So I went on um, to Acts. And I am particularly grateful to Gwen and Phil for everything that they have shown me and for introducing me to their church and their people. And I'll always be grateful to the many of the people who continue to keep Justin in prayers because I know that prayer does work. Recently, my son was hospitalized, let out, and, and this happens over and over again. And he was homeless on the streets. Well, through all of this, anyhow, I do know my purpose, and I never knew my purpose. I understand what my gift is, uh, and God has made me definitely an instrument of hope. And I see that, and I know that, and that's with the help of everybody through Acts and through my neighbor, Gwen and Phil. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. I always have hope, and I will always have hope. If y'all would please welcome Fran up front. Should be good to go. Thanks. Well, Fran, thanks for coming up and, and for sharing your story with us. We're blessed to have you be so open and honest and, and let us kind of peer into your life and, and gain insight into how God's been at work. And um, one of the things that, that I find amazing about your story is, is you mentioned, you know, how, how difficult it is uh, to, to have a son who, who suffers from a mental illness. Uh, but then you go on to say that, that God has a plan. And, uh, and that's really amazing to me. And I, I wonder, you know, how, how do you go about trusting in God's plan in the midst of such trying circumstances? I'm... I could just say that I think that has to do with my upbringing, and uh, my parents always says, God has a plan. Uh, we don't question God, um, because he has that plan, and so I live with that. So you just hold on to that? Yep, and I do. Cool. Very mm -hmm. cool, very cool. Mm -hmm. um, another just wonderful part about your story is, is you share kind of in the second half of the video about the, the sort of impact that, that Gwen has had in your life, and, and, and Phil as well, Gwen Holy, who are... They're, they're part of our church here. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think it's, it's, it's so cool to hear that. Um, and one of the things that, you know, as we've talked about so far this morning is that we, in our culture, we have a hard time, I think, receiving from other people. Um, but you just, you're, you're very open about saying, man, I, I've needed Gwen and she's been there and, and you've received care from her. And so, and you, of course, give so much care. Um, you care for your son and you care for your father-in-law. I don't know if everyone knows that, but that's, you spend much of your day caring for, for other individuals, but I wonder if you could unpack for us a little bit more about the importance of receiving and, and how you see that play out in your life, re receiving from others in, in order to care for others. Well, it's like how you had just said, uh, you know, you need to humble yourself. Um, and I saw this with my parents. We grew up uh, pretty poor, and my dad was 5'6". To me, he was 6'5". <laughs> um, you know, he stood tall. He always did what he needed to do for his family. Um, and if it meant, you know, riding with somebody else and paying them to do that or getting a second job or whatever, um, he was always able to do that. But my parents also were very affectionate um, and very loving. And I think it really stems from that. Uh, but another thing there is uh, there's eight children in my family, and we are all so different. So acceptance um, is a big one to me. Just to be accepting, uh, let your guard down. Um, it feels good to give, but it also feels good 
to receive. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what God wants us to do? Yeah. He wants us to serve, but he also wants us to be able to receive kindly because we couldn't have a servant if we didn't have a receiver ever. That's right. Right? That's right. That's awesome. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and, and just one more question for you. At, at the end, you, you say this quote, I posted on my Facebook wall. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> sorry, Fran Musgrove. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and you say, I have hope, and I will always have hope. And, man, I just think, you know, and, and I've been blessed to, to journey with you a little bit, uh, but, but I think that's just so inspiring to hear you say that. And so oh, I wonder just, what is it that gives you that constant hope? How, how do you hang on to that? All of you, in all honesty. All of you. Having neighbors as uh, Gwen and Phil, and for them being so open with me. Uh, for having family members that, uh, you know, I can pray with on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, just, it's everybody. But it's this church. Wow. It's this church that empowers me. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else you'd want to share with folks? Oh, um... I didn't just that, yeah. <laughs> it was um, a curveball. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> just with um, Gwen and Phil living across the street from us when they moved in, I was actually a practicing Catholic and uh, got in with um, Gwen when I was having um, a lot of hardships and troubles. And she's the one who's made me feel as though this is my calling mm. and to have more hope and um, so on. That's about all. That's awesome. Thanks. Very cool. If we could say thanks to Fran for, for joining us. I think it's uh, just so appreciative, Fran, of your willingness to be, be vulnerable and, and open with our church. That's not an easy thing to do, and that's really a virtuous thing to do, to be willing to, to share who you are and your story and, and just let that be open. And, and what I love about Fran's story is she just so beautifully illustrates what it is to, to receive and to give, right? To receive and to give. I mean, let's, let's just face it, um, and she'd say this, her, her situation is hard. Right? Having a son who you love and care for so much suffer tremendously under a mental illness is very, very hard. And so you have to figure it's draining for her to, to constantly uh, give out that care and give out that love. But I hope you all notice just like how humbly she receives care from others. How humbly she's able to say, yeah, this, this church is pouring into me. Yeah, Gwen's pouring into me. Yeah, God's word is giving me insight. Yeah, God himself is speaking to me in the midst of that. Like, I, she knows how to receive well, and that's the only way I think she gives as much as she does, right? And I think like, man, I want to be like that, right? Like, God, could, could you humble me enough that I could actually receive your grace? Could you humble me enough that I could actually receive from others so that I might pour out your grace into others? Right? I want to be like that. I hope you do too. See, but as long as we're too proud to truly receive grace, or as long as we think we don't deserve to receive, we just won't get there. We won't get there. Uh, one of the most transformative books for me in the last 10 years uh, is a book called Blue Like Jazz by uh, Donald Miller. Um, I think there's probably a few of you have read the, the book before. It's great. And if, yeah, if you're like 20-something and you haven't read it yet, do it now. Uh, change your life. Anyways, great book. And, and in it, he has this chapter on grace. And, and it, it's this beautiful passage, and he talks about how hard it is to actually receive grace. And in the book, he writes this. He says, For a very long time, I could not understand why some people have no trouble accepting the grace of God 
while others experience immense difficulty. I counted myself as one of the ones who had trouble. It was too easy. I wanted to feel as though I earned my forgiveness, as though God and I were buddies doing favors for each other. And Miller goes on, and he goes on to to a a story in which he realizes what his issue is, what the the root of his issue is, why he has such a hard time receiving. And the story is he's, he's on a road trip, and he stops at a convenience store, and he's waiting in line at the convenience store, and the lady in front of him in line uh, reaches out to pay for her food, and, and she pays with, with food stamps. And he said, you know, I'd never, I'd never seen anyone do that before. And he said, so I was, I was really uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do. And, and he could tell the woman was just sort of like kept her head down and just wanted to get through this, and the cashier tried to make everything faster. And he just thought, man, I just wanted to help her. I wanted to do something, but, but that would kind of make a greater scene, and so I didn't want to do anything. And so he gets back in his car, and he reflects on what happened. He reflects on why this was such a big deal for him, and he writes this. He says, I wonder how that would feel standing in line at the grocery store, pulling from my wallet the bright currency of poverty, feeling the probing eyes of the customers as they studied my clothes and the items in my cart, frozen pizza, name brand milk, coffee. I would want to explain to them that I have a good job and make good money. And then here's where he hits the nail on the head on why it's so hard for us to receive grace. He says, I love to give to charity, but I don't want to be charity. This is why I have so much trouble with grace. You see, this is the issue for us. We, we equate receiving grace from God or receiving help from other people as weakness because it means I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it done, and so I needed to depend on other people. And we say, that's weakness. But can I tell you something? You can't do it, right? You can't get through this life alone. We need each other. We need community. That's why God's called us to be the church together. And you certainly can't get to God on your own. Not even close. You need grace. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why he went to the cross. To pay the price for your sins because you couldn't do it. And it's only in humility that we receive that. It's only in humility when we receive God's grace. It's when we're willing to just stop doing the dishes for a second and just sit at Jesus' feet and receive his grace and his truth for us. And so if you're like me, and at times you've been too proud to receive God's grace, you've been above God's charity, would you just stop? Right? Just, just repent of that. Repent of its arrogance. Repent of it. And simply receive God's love for you in Jesus. And if you're maybe on the other side of the spectrum and you think you don't deserve God's grace, would you please just look at all that Jesus has done for you? It's not a mistake. He doesn't regret it. He loves you that much. Would you just receive that? Friends, let's, let's sit at Jesus' feet and receive from him. Let's look at Mary how she receives from him. Let's look at our sister Fran. We have a flesh and blood example and let's just receive from him. And let's learn to receive so that we can give. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, teach us to sit at the feet of your son. Teach us to not think we have to do everything but to simply receive from you. Your love for us, your grace for us is enough, Lord. 
Teach us to rest in that. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.